0: You're listening to the Connect for Children podcast, where we talk about pediatric clinical trials in Europe. In our first episode, we're focusing on COVID vaccines in children and young people. Over the past year, multiple vaccines have been developed and tested in record time to help protect people from the virus. Many countries have now started large-scale vaccination programs, but once healthcare workers, the elderly and adults have been covered, should children also be vaccinated against COVID? Is it essential for herd immunity? And would we have to set up additional vaccine trials specifically for young people? To answer our questions, we're joined by Dr. Federico Martinon, Head of Pediatrics at the Hospital Clinico Universitario de Santiago in Spain, who specializes in translational pediatrics infectious diseases. Regarding COVID-19 vaccines in general, there is a difference between reducing infectivity and protection against severe disease. Can you elaborate on the distinction, Dr. Martinon?
1: Indeed, you mentioned something that is very important. and and how can we establish the difference between protection against the disease or protection against the infection. And this is again the same for, for all the vaccines. There are vaccines that are able not only to protect us against the clinical disease, let's say death, let's say hospitalization, let's say, I don't know, any severe consequence of the infection, and there are other vaccines that are even able to protect us against the infection itself. So you don't have any symptom, and you don't even get the virus or the bacteria into your body. This is not better or worse. This is just a characteristic of the vaccine. If the vaccine is able to protect not only against clinical disease, but also against uh, the infection itself, then we can, let's say, more easily cut the transmission of the disease in the community. So we will be able to get rid of the microorganism, let's say, in a more easy way. But at the end of the day, this is a, something that we don't know, uh, let's say, from, from the scratch of the of the vaccines, and we need some time to really uh, understand if the vaccine can protect only against the disease, which is, at the end of the day, is the most important thing we don't want to die or suffer disease because of any infection but uh, uh, we need more time to really know if the vaccine is able to also cut the transmission is Mm -hmm. also able to protect against the infection itself.
0: We know that COVID-19 vaccines are currently only approved by adults why is there a lack of pediatric data and why weren't children included in clinical trials?
1: Well, that's a, a very good question, but it has to do with COVID-19 itself. I mean, we have learned that the disease, uh, luckily is not as severe in in, in young children and infants and in, as compared to adults. So this made uh, uh, or established the priority to look for solutions in terms of treatment, but also prevention and to focus on the adult and the elderly population. So the main reason for for, let's say, leaving the children behind has been to first try to get a vaccine that could be uh, safe and efficacious against COVID-19 in the older population, which has a much higher risk of severe disease. And that mm-hmm. can be up to 300 or 1,000 times more severe. The, the odds mm-hmm. are uh, very high to, to really have a more severe picture of COVID-19 as compared to, ch- to young children and infants. So that's the main reason and that's why, let's say, the children were not given priority in the clinical development of vaccines against COVID-19. Uh, and I think that's, that does not mean that we are not going to include them for sure, but that's why uh, currently we already have available vaccines against adults, but not uh, uh, have been licensed for children.
0: You said the chances of children contracting COVID is smaller than for adults. Would children still benefit from a vaccine on an individual level, and is it important for herd immunity that they're vaccinated?
1: Well, indeed, COVID vaccine will benefit children. That's a, that's a fact because having a lower risk does not mean a zero risk. No, so we know that the the younger the child, the less probable that he will or she will experience a severe form of COVID-19, but that's not mean that the risk is zero. And we uh, even have uh, discovered specific phenotypes like the um, post COVID inflammatory syndrome that we have have, uh, discovered that may happen in children, particularly in uh, older children. So having a much lower risk does not mean that uh, they have uh, the, 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 of course, the, the right to be protected against uh, this disease as well as the adults and the elderly. However, uh, we still don't know either which is the the, the, the particular uh, role that the children may play in the transmission chain, so also it might be important from that perspective. So not being the first priority at this moment does not mean that they are important, and we need to vaccinate them first to protect them, uh, even if they have a lower risk. This is not zero, but second, because they may have also a, a role, an important role in the transmission. Maybe not as important as in the adults, that seems to be the paradigm: adults transmitting the disease to children. But it does not mean that they are not able to transmit the disease. Uh, also to 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 other mm-hmm. people. And finally, and no less important, if we vaccinate everybody but the children. They will become the only reservoir for the virus. So uh, mm-hmm. it makes sense to consider children and they will be for sure Uh, getting vaccinated against COVID-19, once we have the updated data on safety and immunogenicity in this population, and they will benefit from the vaccination and they will help us in this fight against this uh, virus.
0: Do you think vaccines should be made available to all children then, not just children at risk because of pre-existing health conditions?
1: Well, I think that it will be available for all the children. I think the idea was to give priority to the clinical development of these vaccines in the adult population, that the pediatric investigations plans are in place, and we have already started uh, the trials on down age escalation to uh, fulfill, let's say, to cover all ages into the, the labels of these vaccines. So I think that this will be a general indication all children may benefit, but even nowadays and in certain regions, in certain countries, uh, as we, as you probably already know, the, the currently licensed vaccines are licensed uh, from 16 or 18 mm-hmm. years of age, uh, depending on the specific product, But uh, clearly they will down, uh, they will uh, develop and, and they will go down in, in the age to, to afford the vaccination at any age group. But even without the specific data on children, already some countries and some uh, uh, agencies are recommending the vaccination of children with a specific high risk, with conditions, underlying conditions that mm-hmm. might pose a, a greater risk than the announce of uh, not having yet the specific data Of uh, the the COVID 19 vaccines in this population. So, yes, I think that uh, we will get the data to vaccinate any children and probably as we are doing with the others, there will be specific groups in the childhood that may benefit more and that will, uh, and we will give them priority to get vaccinated
0: so it would be the same process as with adults we would do specific groups and then depending on the priority we plan the vaccination campaign
1: it will yeah. depend also i mean i think part of the priority that we have uh, done in, in the others had to do a lot with the supply of the vaccines mm-hmm. so probably by the time we are getting children vaccinating we may have uh, hopefully not problems with the with mm-hmm. the vaccine supply so maybe we can do a universal vaccination but yes mm-hmm. in case there is a, a restraints in terms of supply probably we will need to establish priority groups from the elder uh, children that let's say the older the children it behaves more similarly in terms of COVID-19 as a adult, and then mm-hmm. uh, going down in the age up to the infants
0: This podcast is brought to you by Connect to Children. We aim to establish a coordinated approach to facilitate the delivery of high-quality, regulatory-grade pediatric clinical trials in Europe for all age groups and diseases. In the project, 25 academic and 10 industry partners from 20 different countries have joined forces to overcome the hurdles standing in the way of clinical trials for children. Together, we're creating a world with better medicines for babies, children, and young people. Want to know more? Visit our website, connectwithchildren.org or follow us on LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram to stay up to date. Dr. Martinon, you've stated on social media that closing schools because of COVID-19 may lead to social inequality. Could the availability of vaccines, if they lead to school being reopened, improve that?
1: Well, you, you really have brought into the conversation a very important topic. I think that indeed having the vaccines will put the children at the same risk uh, and, and let's say or, or we will protect them the same way as we are protecting now the, the elderly and, 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 and the adult population. But I mean, irrespective of having vaccines or not available, even at this moment, I think a school closure has to be very carefully uh, uh, thought. Now, I, I think that at the beginning, when we didn't uh, know much about the virus and the mm-hmm. transmission uh, paradigm, et cetera, I think there was a global uh, approach to, to do the school closure, assuming that the behavior of the virus will be similar to other viruses like flu, where children have a very, very important uh, uh, role in the transmission chain. This is not the case at this moment for 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 the SARS-CoV-2. We know that the children get infected and the infection they deal with the infection better than the adults, but that's not mean that they don't get infected, but they really manage the infection much better than the other population. But it does not mean that uh, 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 they have an important role in the transmission. And after what we know now, probably they are able to transmit us, of course, as any other subject that the chances of getting infected from a, a child are much lower than the other way around, that a child mm-hmm. uh, gets infected from an adult positive contact. And even, even uh, considering all this, we have to take into account that the, the greater source of inequity is a school closure Let's think globally. Let's think that mm-hmm. the, the school uh, is probably, from in many circumstances, in many countries, even in the, in the richest countries, uh, the school means uh, a right, of course, for the children, but also the only opportunity to be protected, the only opportunity to be in a safe environment, the only opportunity to receive a meal. So I think that the downside of a school closure is huge. And we already have at this stage of the pandemic objective data stating the objective damage that school closure may pose to the children in the short term, in the midterm, but even in the long run. And I think this must be uh, kept in mind when reconsidering in other steps of the pandemic or in other stages, the possibility to close or not the schools. I think this should be a very last resource measure because of all the the problems that are associated with the school closure and that we need to protect our children the most, even if SARS-CoV-2 does not uh, pose the same risk uh, uh, to their health as other viruses or as compared to the other population.
0: Going back to clinical trials for COVID-19 vaccines in children. I was wondering that since vaccine in children would mostly be required to prevent infectivity rather than severe disease, would this have an impact on how pediatric clinical trials are set up? What are the endpoints and the challenges here?
1: Well, that's a very important uh, question and a very difficult one to be answered. Indeed, I mean, we don't know yet which will be the actual role of the currently available vaccines in terms of transmission in terms of yeah. interrupting the transmission of the disease. Uh, the preliminary data we are obtaining in this regard is quite encouraging. And, and uh, even we still don't know all the facts, the reality and the real world uh, uh, data that is coming after the deployment of the vaccines. And it's telling us that these vaccines, at these those that are already available and, and, and the, in, in the field, uh, they can have an impact on the transmission. Uh, and this is important. Although I, I say that we still don't have all the data, but even if it does not the case, it does not mean that the vaccines are not important. I mean, the first basis of the vaccine uses will be to prevent severe disease and death. And in that regard, uh, these vaccines are really ro- showing in the real life that they are fulfilling their promises and they are achieving the same results as shown in the uh, clinical trials that le- allow their their licensure. What about the children then? Well, I think that the vaccines in children will be uh, 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 will be licensed based on safety and immunogenicity studies because probably we won't be able to do uh, efficacy uh, trials in children. Moreover, considering that the the impact of the disease is much lower. In the children as compared to adults, so probably the basis for for uh, updating the labeling to include children of all ages will be based in this kind of trial. Indeed, there are possibilities of doing a specific trials to assess the role not only of the vaccines uh, in children to prevent transmission, but also to specifically address the the, the role of the children in transmission, maybe through cohort studies, including schools, including different regions. There are different possible models to try to answer this question, but I don't know if we will be able to answer this question in the short term or by the time we will get this licensed for children. So I think that in the short term, the vaccines will be available for children based on safety and immunogenicity data, Mm -hmm. and probably in the midterm, we will have more data on the specific role uh, of these vaccines in the transmission chain, and specifically in blocking the role of the children uh, 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 as uh, transmitters of the disease uh, to the community. But even if uh, we show, or we are not able to show any impact on transmission, uh, children will need to be vaccinated anyway for two main reasons, to protect them because risk is not zero for them, but also, and as we discussed earlier, then otherwise they will become the only reservoir for the virus and the virus will keep to, in fact, will keep to evolve and this will uh, mean uh, a trouble uh, for the rest of the population in the in, uh, uh, with a given time. So, indeed, protection of the children, even it's not the first priority, it will be part of the equation to solve this problem.
0: And actually about that, are there any plans to perform pediatric clinical trials for COVID-19 vaccines?
1: Well, indeed, there are. I can tell you that the agreement of the main regulatory agencies with the sponsors and the academia was to first give priority, of course, to the development of these vaccines for the adult population and specifically yeah. for the elderly. But there was a compromise that once we have that data, and we already have that data of safety and efficacy to start and to do the uh, the, PA, the, the pediatric investi- investigation plan, the development, the specific development of these vaccines into the pediatric population. So, as we speak, uh, there are already ongoing trials in the adolescent population, mm-hmm. and for most of the uh, of the vaccines that we are all talking all the time, the mRNA vaccines, the Oxford AstraZeneca vaccine, the Janssen and Janssen, let's say the, uh, the main four that have been licensed in, uh, either by through the FDA or the, or the EMA agencies, these, uh, these are already uh, uh, have uh, investigations plan in place and they are making all the preparatives to uh, start these trials. I think that okay. uh, we will start to have, uh, as a matter of fact, results of these trials. The, the, the very first, I think, during the summer time, the latest. So I think that things are moving and we will have the specific needed data on children sooner than we might imagine.
0: That was all for today's Connected Children podcast. By supporting clinical trials, we're working towards a world with better medicines for babies, children, and young people. To find out more, visit our website, connectwithchildren.org, or follow us on LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. Thank you for listening, and tune in next time for more great content.